I'm Jessica Chobot, and this is AI Hype versus Reality, an original podcast from Dell Technologies. And I'm at Carnegie Mellon University to play poker against a world champion AI. And get this, I've never even played poker before, so this is going to be real good. Hi, Hi. Jessica, nice to meet you. Thomas Sandholm, nice to meet you. So you're working on something called Libratos. What is that about? Yeah, Libratos is the AI that became the first and only superhuman AI for heads-up, no-limit Texas Hold'em poker. Why would Texas Hold'em poker be the main crux out of all the games that are out there? Yeah, so uh, unlike, let's say, chess or Go, it's a game of imperfect information. Because when you make, have to make a decision, you don't know the state of the world. And your opponent or opponents mm -hmm. might know things that you don't know. I'm going to pretend like I know what we just talked about, but it sounds <laughs> great. And I'm ready to go up against the AI. Oh, this is perfect. We have four cards of diamonds. If uh -huh. we get one more diamond, we'll have the nut flush. On the other hand, if we, have, if we don't get the diamond, we really have nothing here. I say we just go for it. Go for bet? Go for it, yeah. Okay, three-quarter pot. But hold on, before we find out who won that poker match, let's unpack the hype around AI and intuition. AI will take all the guesswork out of stock market investment. AI will correctly predict the outcome of any sports match. After defeating humans in the most complex board games, AI will conquer esports. AI will figure out what we're thinking before we think it. All of this, of course, per usual, will happen any day now. So to sort the hype from the reality, I'm here, as always, with Dell Technologies emerging tech expert, Dave Graham. So Dave, how does the AI that I played chess against on my PC like 10 or 15 years ago compare with the AIs that are out there right now? 10 to 15 years of cumulative data analysis, that kind of increased compute cap capability, the technology advancement, so on and so forth, allow computers to process information even faster than they ever did before. We also have 10 to 15 years more chess acumen that we were able to add into, into the fold. And again, remember, AI is constantly learning. We're constantly feeding it data. So as we sit there and play these games, AIs are observing. So here are some of the thoughts of deep learning pioneer Jeffrey Hinton and what he sees as the difference between playing games with brute force versus intuition. So after they'd managed to beat Kasparov at chess, people said, you're not going to be able to do the same thing for Go. There's too many alternatives to consider. You're not going to be able to play Go unless you have spatial intuition. So a Go master will look at a board and he'll just know certain places that are good to play. He'll just have a strong intuition about that. And he won't bother to explore all the other places. Whereas a brute force machine would explore everything and there's just too many alternatives. Um, and the key was getting neural nets that had intuition. So the neural nets were trained to mimic the moves that a master would have made to begin with. And then the system played against itself so it got even better. But it, the key was having intuition about where's a sensible place to consider. So you don't have to consider everything. And that required a neural network. That had intuition. It wasn't logical reasoning at all. Well, so that's really interesting to hear because I feel like, to me, that just still sounds like logical thinking. That doesn't sound like a feeling. And I've always defined uh, intuition as being based in feeling. So let's start out with the basic definition of what intuition is, right? By definition, it is the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning. So I'm able to act without having to rely on anything else, right? So 
a neural network will do this by virtue of it receives some input and then it triggers off an action, right? It's, it reaches something we call a threshold. And when that threshold activates, then it activates the next neuron in that, in that series and continues to go on that neural network and it continues to go along that path. An input is received. I recognize a spot on the board and I know that I can place my object, my player, my chip, whatever it ends up being. And when I do that, an action will result. Intuition leading to learning. It's, it ostensibly is the nature of things there. On the other hand, logic would dictate I would try to examine every single option before I make a play, before I make a choice, right? And that that would evaluate every opportunity. This is what you see a lot in chess. Everybody prognosticating and thinking about if I place X here, Y will result, right? You know, that kind of operation. So this is truly placement without an understanding of what the end result could be, just that you can do it. So this differs to your concept of a gut feeling, right? That's an, um, that's an emotive response. That's, that's basically letting the entire environment press down on you at one point and saying, I feel this way, therefore I'm going to act in a way that's neither rational nor based around anything to do with logic. It's literally operating out of an emotional center. Well, okay. So speaking of gut feelings, uh, one of the decisions that we might make with our gut is how we invest our money. So have you been in one of these meetings where a financial advisor shows you a bunch of pie graphs and charts and then asks you what your risk tolerance is at all? Unfortunately, yes. (laughs) So unless you happen to be really up on money markets, I think a lot of us then go with our gut. Or like you were saying earlier, kind of an educated guess based on what knowledge we come to the table with and maybe what our advisor is telling us. And then even if you do know the markets, uh, like a professional stock trader and broker, I would assume that they also use their intuition as well, just at a, at a, at a more educated level, because they have probably more data that they can base that off on. So what is AI being used for then in the world of investment? So This type of work is actually being done right now with AI investment companies using bots and other types of technology. I heard from Rafael Fiorentino, the CEO and founder of Butterwire, an AI app for stock market investors. Because he doesn't believe in just unleashing AI on the stock market, he's come up with a different approach, what he calls IA, or intelligence augmentation. AI is about the machine trying to be smarter than you could possibly hope to be. AI is being smart at making you smarter. So if, if you go along these lines, uh, developing machines that help you get smarter faster and therefore make, make better informed decisions with your investment, then you, you stand a chance to claw back this huge knowledge deficit that exists between a segment of the investing population, a small one, uh, and, and the vast majority who's, uh, uh, who's not. And I mean, and, and it's tackling a really crucial issue, which is your pension, right? Uh, there isn't a single professional investor that can absorb more than a few percent of the relevant knowledge that you can get at your fingertips on the Bloomberg terminal. So it's going to start looking and linking things that you did not know, you know, were relevant. Okay, I can, I can get behind that. I think that's well stated. All right, so when we talk about following our gut, something else that seems somewhat non-scientific is sports. I mean, thinking that one team is going to win instead of another just because we might prefer or love that team. So when there's so many different factors, so many variables, 
like injured players, weather, coaching tactics. Uh, can AI really parse all of that stuff out? I think to a certain extent it can. Again, you're looking at correlation. There is a tendency to be able to say, well, we believe that since, you know, the Patriots won six out of the last, I don't know what, 10 Super Bowls, there's a good chance that they're probably going to win the next year as well. In addition, I did speak with Victor Kristoff. He's a machine learning PhD student in Switzerland, and his team has created kickoff.ai, a platform to predict the outcome of football matches. And when he says football, he means soccer because he is in Europe. He says his software is all about turning intuition into a formula. Like if you have a feeling that one team is going to win instead of another. But it's just a feeling. And now we actually have a quantitative way of uh, putting a number on this outcome. We have uh, a database of about 55,000 matches um, that spans over 100 years uh, of, uh, of uh, football data. We can take into account the uncertainty that is uh, present in the data, which enables us then to have more accurate um, predictions, more accurate probabilities. Um, there is some, some sort of predictability in, in, in those games, and that's a bit what our uh, model is trying to capture. We're not predicting whether Team A or, let's say, Barcelona will win. We say that Barcelona has 65% chances to win over Real Madrid. There is an inherent part of randomness in, in football matches. And I think that AI will never be able to, to, to predict uh, um, 100%, with 100% accuracy uh, football games. Unfortunately, because otherwise there is actually, actually no point in watching football anymore. <laughs> This is so confusing to me. I'll, I'll tell you, this, this particular episode of the podcast series is the hardest one for me to wrap my mind around because it sounds like based on what everybody we've heard talk about that maybe this podcast shouldn't be about AI learning intuition, but AI proving that intuition doesn't actually even need to exist because it's all just uh, accumulated data, and really, we should get rid of intuition and just call it educated uh, guesses, I guess. Yeah, a lot of it's all predicated on data, how we feed data into these systems, how we get data out of these systems, how we appreciate that data, how we let it be used. Well, that depresses me because I always make the wrong decisions. So that must mean that my data is really, really poor. <laughs> but you've learned from those wrong decisions, hopefully. Uh, well, putting this to the test, I'm actually going to uh, go play Texas Hold'em against an AI opponent. And I've never even played poker. Before I get to that, I'm going to find out about AI and intuition in another game, which I do dominate at, which is Pictionary. So I will see you next time. And we will have a very, very uh, competitive game of Pictionary. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. All right. See you later, Dave. <laughs> All right. Bye. My name is Ani Kembhavi. I'm a senior research scientist at uh, the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence in Seattle. Ani is part of the team that created Iconery, an online AI-driven version of Pictionary. The first problem they ran into when building the game was the most basic, an AI can't really draw freehand. So Ani and his team developed a library of icons that the AI uses, so things like cakes and mountains and pencils. But even with the icons, the AI still needed a ton of training, which it got from watching humans 
Play Pictionary. What's interesting is that we have gathered a lot of games of human players playing a closed set of phrases. So what's interesting is that the majority of human players use a sort of small set of intuitions to depict this phrase. You know, each person has had a different upbringing, has had different exposure. The very basic set of intuitions, um, especially in this drawing and guessing game, seem to be drawn from a sort of a similar source of uh, common sense knowledge. And that's the key to how Pictionary works. Even though we all have our own intuitive sense of how to play, we share, to some extent, a common set of images of icons. And that's what the team at Allen is trying to teach their AI. But here is the thing. They couldn't use the same kind of reinforcement learning that taught AIs to play chess and go, where they just play each other until they get really good, because Pictionary is so subjective. Because you can imagine if two agents play this game, uh, one is given a phrase like a dog eating a bone, and the other one has to guess the drawing. You can imagine that these agents might get better over time, but they might decide that they're going to use a cat icon to depict dog and a hamburger icon to depict bone. And so they'll start developing a some sort of a language where they can understand each other and get better. But then when you deploy one of the agents with a human, it won't work out. Then again, just getting the AI to play against a human brings another big challenge. Even though the AI can see the phrase family birthday party and use the icons for people, cake, and candles, what if the human partner in the game guesses happy birthday? And so when the human partner makes a wrong guess, um, how do you adapt its drawing to guide your human partner towards the right guess? This uh, feedback that happens between the drawer and the guesser is uh, one of the most challenging things we face from a modeling standpoint. And so Iconery was unleashed on the internet a few months ago to help it grow and learn. One of the main reasons was we wanted to get a lot of people playing it because the more people played with Alan AI, the more data we get to push back into the system and um, help Alan AI improve its algorithms. So the more we play Iconery with this AI, the better it will get. But can we really say it's developing intuition? At this point in the show, I'm wondering what that even means. Anyway, you can play the game yourself, either draw or guess, at iconery.allenai.org. And now we're heading back to Carnegie Mellon University for that game of Texas Hold'em Poker. I'm going to put the hype around AI and intuition to the test. Can AI replicate human intuition, or is AI's decision-making all based on numbers? The whole thing starts with Professor Tomas Sandholm explaining how his AIs are different than any other poker-playing AI. These AIs have never listened to any human or read any poker book, mm -hmm. and they've never seen a single hum uh, human play poker or a single other AI play poker. So they generate the strategies just from the rules of the game. So like trial and error for it? Uh, no, it's, it's more sophisticated. It has these algorithms, and this, this is where, what you, we would normally call the AI. The uh -huh. AI is the algorithms uh -huh. that just take us input the rules of the game, then they figure out how to play, and then they output the strategy. And the strategy is then what plays poker. Okay. Some people would call the strategy the AI, but that's kind of a fuzzy line. So that's why I say we write AIs to write AIs to play poker. In case you didn't catch that, and I have to admit I didn't the first time around, here's how it works. 
first, Tomas and his team feed all the rules of poker into an AI, which analyzes them to fully understand the game, not by playing it, just by the rules. Then that AI creates another algorithm using game theory to come up with a strategy. That's the AI I will actually play against. In other words, Tomas never tells the AI how much to bet or what hands are best. The second AI, the game playing AI, figures that out for itself based on all of the work the first AI did using game theory. And then when you're saying game theory, I mean, maybe this is silly of me to ask, but like, what exactly is game theory? This is actually a good question. Oh, okay, so, good, because so, I felt so, really stupid so, asking it. <laughs> so so uh, if you think about learning from experience, uh -huh. that is what we in AI call machine learning. Mm -hmm. This is not machine learning. This is a different subfield of AI. This is computational game theory. And here, game theory is all about what's going to happen in the future. We're going to reason about the rules of the game, how the players should play into the future. Sounds kind of like reading between the lines in layman's terms that the AI does so well because it's a bit of a wild card when it comes up against human players that are used to playing in a certain way. I, however, am also a bit of a wild card because I have never played poker or cards, honestly, except for maybe go fish in my life. So do you mind teaching me real quick and then going up against the AI and see how I do? Happy to do that. All right, great, thanks. Because <laughs> I was nervous that you'd say no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this looks very nice sitting here. We've got uh, green felt on the table, got uh, some chips. I have no idea what those mean, other than they're supposed to represent money. Got a deck of cards, and I think we're ready to go. The goal at the end is to make the best five-card hand out of the seven cards you have, i.e. Okay. the two private cards and the five public cards. Pulling from the public cards. So we start by one of us being the big blind and the other one being the small blind. Yeah. I got a lot of stuff to smash into my brain right now. Okay, so now uh, we're going to... Um, get two private cards each. Okay, so I'm not going to make you listen to the entire very long poker lesson, but a few key things that I learned. First, poker is really complicated. All the different kinds of hands you can have and which ones are more powerful or whatever than others. Then, better than that, is four of a kind. So four of the same number. Oh my god, this is so hard. And better okay. than that is a straight flush, where it's both a straight and a flush. Second, you have no idea what the other player has in their hands, so you're making your decisions based on your gut instinct. And third, how can something so nuanced and subtle be played by an AI? Well, it's time to find out. I'm sitting down with Tomas at his computer, and on the screen is a pretty typical top-down view of a poker table with cards being dealt out. Okay, so now we're the first to move, and we have a pair of sevens. That's kind sevens of Sevens are always the worst card, I think, because it's so right in the middle. What we really like to do here mm -hmm. is, is what we would probably like to get the other guy all in right away. So you're putting in all your chips? Well, now, now here's, here's the thing. If, if, we, uh, if we put in all of our chips, it's probably going to fold, unless it's clearly ahead. So I, I wouldn't. Uh, what if you just decide to act crazy, and does it get... Yeah, well, the game theoretic thing is that, uh, you know, even if the opponent plays in a crazy way, we're still safe. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike, let's say, machine learning-based approaches. So it's okay. I mean, you can't really 
you can throw it off by crazy play, throw its beliefs off, but you can't gain any value from that. So, just to be clear, the AI is not reacting to how I play. It isn't learning about me or even about poker, game after game. Instead, it approaches every new game with the same strategy, the strategy it developed using game theory and the rules of poker. Do but 777. You want to do 777? Yeah, just... Okay, we do that. 777. Okay, we'll see uh, what's going to happen. Okay, it folded. <laughs> see, I knew it. So, uh, <laughs> Call your right. bluff. I think we're actually doing pretty good here. Which is yeah, we are, nice. we are ahead, um, and that's not surprising in that uh, in, there's a lot of luck in poker. You really need to play thousands of hands before you know who's better. Um, I also thought it was interesting that we were trying to trick it by lying to it, but it's not. It there's nothing. It. it doesn't go for it, and there's nothing that it's reading as far as you know our poker faces right. or not. It's just strictly running by the numbers. Yep. Okay, so now ace well, three ace is suited. good, but three, yeah, and but well, they're suited. It's actually it's it's good. Okay, you have a, a decent chance of flush, and if it ends up being in the flush, we'll have what's called the not flush, which is the best flush because we have the ace. All but, right, but so, I'm yeah. taking your word for that. Yeah. So um, you want to do pot or you want to do two sixty? Let's do two sixty. Oh, this is perfect. We have four cards of diamonds. If uh -huh. we get one more diamond, we'll have the nut flush. Do you want to trick it by making it continue to play by going pot? Normal would be three quarters pot oh, here. Oh, three quarters? In, in these later betting rounds. On the other hand, if we have, if we don't get the diamond, we really have nothing here. I say we just go for it. Go for bet? Go for it, yeah. Okay, three quarter pot. Obviously, I'm playing by the seat of my pants here. I barely have any idea of what's going on, but I have to admit what's really throwing me is that there is no emotion involved. There's no use in trying to play any psychological games, which maybe would cover up the fact that I'm totally making it all up. Instead, I'm being forced to think and play like the computer. Just numbers. It, it, it called. So now we have one more card coming. If you think about it, there are nine more diamonds out there. I say go for it. Just, just a bet. Yeah, let's bet. Let's okay, go. three quarter pot would be the standard size. Okay, come on. All right. Oh, it, it folded. Quit? It folded. <laughs> Very good because we we ended up essentially had nothing there. Okay. As, uh, as, uh, but we basically uh, bluffed it off the hand. But if we continued to play, would it get better at? at kind of assessing the situation and learning off of how our habits are? This AI uh, is game theoretic, so it doesn't need to do that. Okay. It's already optimized its strategy. So if we played a, a thousand hands, we, we would be losing like crazy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's not because it's learning how to play. It's already playing better than we are. It just uh, got unlucky there. I just want to point out, because this will probably never happen again, that I played against a super intelligent poker AI and I beat it. Yes, it was just beginner's luck, but whatever. I still won, and I'm claiming the title of AI Poker Champion. It's time to step away from the table and enjoy my winnings. So obviously we're playing poker here, but um, I'm assuming you didn't create this AI strictly for poker playing. So what other applications does it have? 
That's exactly right. So we have been working on this for about 17 years now, mm -hmm. and it is definitely not for poker. Poker is just the main benchmark application. Uh, rather, the technology is game independent, and we're actually taking it into a variety of real-world applications. So in my startup company called Strategic Machine, we're taking it to various business and entertainment applications. And in my startup Strategy Robot, we're taking it to various military and intelligence applications. And so all of that sounds really interesting and potentially top secret. Anything that you can do a deeper dive on? Yeah, in terms of the high-level issue in how optimization and planning happens today in all of these applications, if at all, uh, sometimes it's just human gut feel and people make decisions. But if there's optimization, today it's assuming a strategy for the adversary. For example, in pricing, it assumes that the uh, other competitors don't change their pricing and I get to be the only one who's optimizing pricing. Mm -hmm. Of course, in reality, as I change my prices, my adversaries are gonna, competitors are going to change my price, their pricing and so on. So this allows you to think ahead what will be the strategic response of the opponents. So think about negotiation, pricing, various investment banking and trade execution situations. Uh, video games, coming up with good, smart AI opponents for video games instead of these simple, boring AI opponents that you see in video games today. You are now speaking my language. So thank you very much for your time today. It was super, super interesting. Thank you for coming. Yeah, I had a great time. nearly as disastrously as I thought. So after playing poker against the AI and speaking with the experts, can AI replicate human intuition? The answer? Not really. What it's really doing is using data analysis to make the best choice. But will AI help us make better decisions? Absolutely. Based on facts though, and not gut instinct. But the most important thing to remember from today is this. I won! That's AI hype versus reality from Dell Technologies. And to watch that game of Texas Hold'em yourself, check out DellTechnologies.com slash hypevreality. Next time on the podcast, just how worried should we be that AIs can identify us in a crowd? We'll find out.